Tonight I want to preach to you out of Acts chapter number 20, and I want to preach to you, um, uh, well, he says, I'll, I'll go back and read this in, a, in just a minute again, but in verse number 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, to feed the church of God. In John chapter 21, he tells Simon Peter, feed my sheep. And so basically, what he's talking about is taking the Word of God, the bread of life, and feeding the church of God. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit uh, tonight. We're going to talk about how to prepare a meal, amen. If you're going to feed somebody, you better know how to cook, amen. I mean, now I have moved up to Delaware. They don't believe they're Yankees, but they are. And uh, uh, if you think you're going to go up north and eat a meal like you used to down here, I'm not saying it ain't good necessarily. I'm just saying if you think you're going to go up there and eat something you used to, you may as well. Listen, if you're going to go eat up there, you bring your salt and pepper with you. And uh, amen, because it ain't going to be made like mama makes it. I promise you that. It ain't going to be made like you used to. They got a different culture up there. And that, so they, they make the food different. It's just because now if, if uh, you know, if Robert E. Lee would have hung on another month or two, we might be, you know, might be able to get some good fried chicken up there or something. But that, that ain't the way it went, you know. So that devil, Abraham Lincoln, won out. So, I, well, you know, I, uh, there's some debate about that too. But uh, <laughs> he got what he deserved, amen. But anyway... <laughs> They say, why in the world would you say something like that? Because it's true, amen. Sorry, rascal. Uh, but at any rate, uh, if you're going to make food, you might as well make it right, amen. And now when he says, feed, my, feed the church of God, and when he says in John chapter 21, uh, to feed my sheep, he's talking about feeding them the word of God. That's a spiritual thing. He's talking about breaking the bread of life. That's a spiritual thing. So whether you're preaching a message in here, or whether you're talking to that lost aunt or uncle or cousin, or maybe it's somebody out there that's already saved and you get into a good spiritual conversation, what you're doing when you're explaining the gospel or you're explaining something about the Bible, you're really feeding one another. If, if two of you men or two of you ladies or a man and a woman, whatever the case might be, if you was out on the church uh, yard out there talking about Isaiah 53, what you'd really be doing is feeding one another, encouraging one another. Well, what do you get when you get a meal? You get strength. Yeah. Amen? You get, you get power. You get energy. So what we're talking about when we're fellowshipping with one another, now the Bible tells you uh, to, uh, to minister grace to the hearers. And what, when he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, but he tells you to, to build one another up, well, you know, you're not going to get much buildup on, uh, you know, talking about some things we talked about last night, the movies and stuff like That's not going to edify one another. That's not going to. It might be interesting. Nobody's saying you can't talk about the NFL or something like that, although they've made me about so mad I can't hardly stand to look at it no more. It turned into a big political mess. Anything you turn into a political mess, it's done with. I mean, anything you, anything that's ever, anything that ever was fun, 
The reason why they call it fun is because fun is involved. Politics is not involved. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if here in the near future they cancel black checkers. It's, it's become that stupid. Things have become that stupid. And just, you know, if, if you're going to involve politics and race and everything else like that and football and NASCAR and checkers and whatever the case might be, you're just going to ruin it. You're just going to ruin it. And so that's the way I see that. I don't know what, how I got on that, but it got out anyway. But at any rate, what I'm trying to say is, is you can talk about things like that if you want to and all that kind of stuff, but make sure uh, that sometime and a good amount of your time you take what God's done for you and you feed it to somebody else. Say, well, you're just trying to stuff that stuff down my throat. Well, that's exactly where I want to go. You know, people say stuff like that. Listen, when somebody says, you're just trying to cram religion down my throat, they say that stuff to try to get you to stop. So when they say, you're trying to cram it down my throat, say, well, hold on, I'm going to go get a bigger fork. That's exactly what you're trying to do. It's good for you. You know, I got sick as a little boy, and my mama tried to cram that Formula 44D down my throat. What was she thinking? She was thinking I'd get better or feel better a little bit. I don't know that they've ever made a medicine that make you better, but hide some symptoms maybe. But whatever the case, man, uh, don't get me started on that. Anyway, uh, but you see what I'm trying to say to you. You can... Talk about everything in the world you want to, whatever interests you, hunting, fishing, football, basketball, whatever you like, go ahead and talk about that stuff. God gave us all things freely to enjoy, but make sure we don't forget what our calling is, and our calling is to feed the sheep. That's the calling. You say, well, I'm not no pastor. Well, you're a Christian, ain't you? Well, I'm not no missionary, but you saved by the grace of God, ain't you? You've been saved, ain't you? You've been saved, ain't you? Yeah. Uh, from the sound of a bunch of Presbyterians in this place, amen. Uh, there are no amens or no hallelujahs or nothing. You saved? Yeah. Well, you can tell somebody about that. Yeah, give, give them a belly full. Yeah. Amen. Just give them a belly full. So feed my sheep. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, let me pray, and then we'll read this verse of Scripture here again, and then I'm going to tell you how to feed the sheep. How, now, sheep are saved. You understand that. But the same food... That'll make a saved person the same food, sheep food. The same food that's good for the sheep be good for the lost. Matter of fact, there ain't no, really no difference. The Bible says the power of God is in the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Your opinion's not the power. Your preferences are not the power. Hey, if you want to go by your preferences, just make sure they're godly preferences. If you prefer what God is, prefers, then you preach your preferences. That'd be the right ones, amen? And uh, so you, uh, but your preferences is not the power. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So that's what we're interested in. Now, let me, did I pray already? I can't remember. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace. I pray, God, you'd help me to teach these folks a few things tonight about uh, how they can prepare their hearts and minds to be able to tell somebody else about the gospel. Lord, help us. Lord, it seems to be the hardest thing 
in the Christian life in this day and time in which we live is just to get the boldness to just open our mouths and, and feed somebody, God, what they need. Lord, and what, what is good for the Christian is definitely the same thing that will be good to show the lost man their need for salvation, their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to learn how to make good meals and learn them how to serve them up, learn how to serve them up right here tonight. And I thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Now let me read this, let me read this uh, passage again, verse number 28. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Matter of fact, this is a great uh, verse of scripture for pastors. Uh, matter of fact, it's really aimed at a pastor, but uh, it's also a great verse for you, amen, because, well, he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Take care of you before you start taking care of somebody else, amen. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, but that's a great, that's a great beginning to the verse. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, some of you are not pastors. Some of you are not pastors. But God has still, through the Holy Ghost, made you the overseers of some things. Listen to me. If you're saved and your brother, I'm talking about your physical brother, your next of kin to your mother, you understand, your real honest-to-goodness brother, if you're saved and he's not, you're his overseer, really. You know, you know, listen, here's the devil's attitude. The devil's attitude is, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is yes. I think God would have told Cain yes if he thought it would have done Cain any good. See, God knows when to waste words and when not to waste words, amen. But he said, uh, Cain, what's going on? He said, hey, where's your brother Abel? Hey, uh, I ain't my brother's keeper. We'll see. God understood that he was his keeper. If, if, if Cain wasn't his brother keeper, God wouldn't ask him where he was. Uh, he didn't do a very good job of keeping up with his brother, did he? Amen. You'd think folks would love their own brothers, their own sisters. I'll tell you what. Let one of your aged relatives die, and you'll find out how much your relatives love one another. Amen. That's the honest to goodness truth. I lost more friends in my own family after some folks started dying that had a little something. I lost more friends. Oh, like folks won't even talk to one another no more. They're afraid they might not get this little thing or that little thing. And I'll be honest with you, Tommy, ain't nobody in my family ever died that really had anything. But relatives will argue over an old shoe. Am I my brother's keeper? That question shouldn't even come to your mind. Amen. Amen. If you saved your little children, the Holy Ghost. Now, if, you, if you're not saved, you ought to be looking out for your children. That ought to be just natural. Well, I'd like to preach on that a while, but I promise you I wasn't going to keep you long tonight. I'm going to try to keep my promises tonight, but you know how them lying preachers are. <laughs> a, a lost man ought to have enough sense to take care of his kids and look after his kids and be a good overseer of his kids. I've seen, I've seen mamas and daddies in church sit right beside their kids and other people in the church paying more attention to their kids than they are. Huh? Some dumb old mama. <laughs> I said that right out loud and I meant to. Some dumb old mama sitting here she just happened to fell into a trance while she was looking at the preacher, you know. 
That was just so nobody would know she wasn't daydreaming about, you know, I don't know, Mary Kay or whatever. But not paying a bit of kids acting like Apache Indians sitting right there beside them. And everybody in the church looking at that Brad except for Mama. Hey, hey, turn around there and say, hey, youngin. Mama had to only tell us one time. Amen. Amen. Uh, more whoopings makes less nose and nose and nose. Amen. Swing that belt one or two times, you have to say no very rarely. Amen. Amen. My mama didn't even have to tell me no. Mama, can I do this? <laughs> Nothing else needs to be said. Uh, you say, well, that's mean, but I'm, didn't, I, I'm not in jail. Yeah. Amen. 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 I'm a good neighbor. I'm a good neighbor. My neighbors have no problem with me. They never stole nothing from them or nothing. That's mama. That's my mama's fault. And my mama kept my neighbors from getting robbed. Amen. That's good. My mama's better than the police force in Delaware. They, the, the police can't keep folks from robbing one another. My mama done that for my neighbors. Not no sheriff's department. You call the police department up there and take them 45 minutes just to get to you. Amen. That's, that's true. Probably true around here, too. I, I don't remember. I forgot, forgot what it was like to be down there. But in, at any rate, you know it's a God's honest truth. A, a lost person ought to oversee their own little kids. Amen. Well, listen, how much more if you say the Holy Ghost made you an overseer? I'm, I'm about to preach another message. I'm going to move on from that. I think you got the point of that, right? Uh, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, and he says, to feed the flock of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Here's the warning here. For I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. You ever been grieved by somebody? I get, Brother Curtis, I get more flack about that. Listen, some preachers grieve me. And it, it's all, uh, some of them grieve me before I even hear them say anything. Uh, I, saw, I saw that fellow up in North Carolina the first time I seen him in his purple suit and his... His hair that was, you know, all matted down like he just got off a of GQ magazine. I said, that ain't no preacher right there. Yeah, man. Huh? I'm talking about Danny Castle. You know, you know I said, that ain't no preacher right there. That's a, that's a playboy. That's a pretty boy right there. That's, that's exactly what he was. Oh, preacher, you so mean. But I ain't never been with nobody else's wife. Huh? Oh, he's great, man. He's the greatest youth pastor and preacher in this country. That's what they told me. I said, oh, he kind of looks kind of strange to me. Well, he's the greatest, man. He's the, he's the gold standard. Yeah, well, later on I found out differently. I should, hey, you should listen to yourself. Amen. Amen. Do some little digging or something like that. But, he's, but the Lord said right there, they'd be grievous wolves. You know what that means? It means they'll grieve you. It means you'll be grieved. That's what it means. You don't need the Greek to figure that out. When it says grievous wolves, he's talking about preachers. He said after, look what he says again. He says, for I know this, after my departing 
shall grievous wolves enter in among you. He's talking about preachers. When he, Paul says, when I leave here, some more preachers are going to come in, and you're going to think they're preachers, and they're going to talk like preachers, and they're going to act like preachers, but all the, the only thing they're going to do is destroy the flock. They're going to come in and say, I love you. I, just, I love you guys. You guys are so wonderful. And God loves you so much. Now, you, it's hard to argue with that because all those things are true. But while they're saying that, they're not saying, hey, watch out. Hey, watch out. Hey, the gospel message is a warning message. And if you go back to Genesis and go all the way to Revelation, the Word of God is a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning. And hey, God's people throughout all history have always been encouraged by warnings. When the preacher preached a great warning message, God's people have always rejoiced. And the devil's people have always been mad. That's such a hateful. Oh, Ahab comes out and says to Elijah, says, you're that preacher that's been troubling our country. And Elijah said, you're the problem. You're the problem. And God's preachers always say, you're the problem. You're the problem. And somehow or another, God's people go, hey, man. <laughs> the preacher said, you're rotten. And you say, hallelujah. And you ought to know you're rotten because that's how you got saved. That's why you got saved. They say, well, I'm saved now and everything's wonderful. Is it? Let me come live at your house for a week. You ain't about to let no preacher come live at your house for a week. You say, why? Because you're rotten. <laughs> you're rotten as a day is long. You probably have to hide your beard. I, I wasn't preaching on beer tonight, but I, I, I don't mind. That probably came down from the heavens. Amen. But he said, grievous wolves. They grievous. If you, listen, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, them folks will grieve you. You wouldn't believe how many times. It, and, and I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you, I feel bad about it sometimes. A preacher I know, Brother Curtis, told me, he said, man, this guy right here, he's the, man, he's, he's young and he just graduated from Bible school, but he's up and coming and he can put a message together. And he can, boy, he'll put up some graphics behind him and he'll do this and he'll do that. He's such a wonderful preacher. I said, man, so he, got, so he gets up to preach and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, something ain't right. And I feel bad about it because uh, I'm judging. That's judgmental. That, maybe you're just jealous. You know, you're just jealous because I'm telling this to myself. You're just jealous because he's preaching and you ain't and they're making a big deal out of him. And the devil run me through the ringer over that thing. But after I found out he's cheating on his wife too, I, boy, I'm going to start listening to myself. I'm going to start listening, but I don't listen to myself. The next time some old preacher agrees me, I think, no, nah, it's probably me. It's probably me. But most time it ain't me. It ain't me. And hey, I tell you what, I'm grieved with myself a lot of times. Yeah. And man, I said, boy, I, I, you ain't right, boy. Just a sorry devil is what you are. That makes me get right. <laughs> I don't want to be no sorry devil. I don't, want to be, I don't want to slip around with my preacher friends and cuss. You know what I think? We're talking about making meals, right? Now, what would you think if, uh, what would you think if I was going to make you some fried chicken and I got some flour out and got a little pinch of salt and I'm about to make, and I'm 
sitting here fooling around, talking to Nathan while I'm trying to make your meal. And I dump a little bit of flour in there and dump a pinch of salt. And I like to take some black pepper and dump it in there too. And oh man, some, a few other choice ingredients I can't tell you about. But then uh, I, while I was fooling around, I reached and got some talcum powder and dumped a good load of that in there while I'm talking to you. And begin to mix it up and, and put the chicken in there and dump, duck, duck the, uh, dump the chicken in some buttermilk or some milk. Sometimes I just use regular milk and roll it in that talcum powder. Throw it in the frying pan, then serve that up to you. What do you think that would taste like? Probably wouldn't be no good, would it? Well, I think that's what it's like when an old preacher starts fooling around with saying cuss words and slipping around with his buddies smoking cigars and so that's like making a little sermon up and and pouring a bunch of junk in it and then feed it to folks and the power of God ain't on it so it just sounds like and in that case you better be careful because you know we're supposed to depend on the power of God when we're preaching, we're supposed to depend on the power of God. When we're witnessing to our neighbors, we're supposed to depend on the power of God when we're witnessing to that man down at the workplace that's about to lose everything. And he says, hey, you a Christian, can you help me out? And you're going to take the Bible and you're going to break the bread of life to him. Better make sure you ain't got no talcum powder, no cuss words. In the, in the little meal that you mix them. No pornography in the meal that you mix them for. That ain't going to make a good meal. What you probably end up doing, you're always going to grieve the sinner, but don't grieve the one you're trying to minister to. Sinner's going to get grieved. A lot of people get grieved before they get help, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm trying to say. Grievous wolves. Grievous wolves. Grievous wolves are going to come in and not spare the flock. Let me say this to you first of all, and let me preach this message. Let me say this to you first of all. You might not preach to nobody tomorrow. You might not witness to nobody tomorrow. But I guarantee you the devil will be out trying to damn somebody tomorrow. I'm talking about damnation. The devil will be trying to kill them. The wages of sin is still death. Uh, the, the, some of the preacher brethren that I know say to me said, you better stop preaching that away. You better stop talking about sin. Well, the only problem with that, sin ain't stopped killing people yet. Huh? As long as sin is still trying to wrap its coils around your neck and squeeze the breath of life out of you and take you to a devil's hell, some preacher better be preaching. Some witness better be telling their neighbors about Jesus. So You better be down at your workplace breaking the rules about not passing out no gospel tracts. You better be doing it because the wolves are still trying to kill the sheep. Amen. 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 The devil's still trying to take people to hell with him. He ain't going to take a day off. The devil, listen, the devil's not ashamed. We might be ashamed to tell somebody we're a Christian, but the devil's not ashamed to slip over there and give them his side of the coin. Uh, the, uh, Christians might be ashamed to take their little pocket New Testament and read it at the break table. Christians might be ashamed of that, but they're not ashamed to show you some pride parade or something like that. They're not ashamed to show you that. Oh, they're not ashamed. They're not ashamed to talk the way they talk in front of your wife. They're not they, listen, they listen, them folks would take uh, the most filthiest and vilest thing they can imagine and put it right in front of your 12-year-old girl and they wouldn't think twice about it. They wouldn't think twice about it. Listen to me. We don't have no TV about 
HBO and NBC and stuff like that. Everything we got, we control what it is. We, if it's uh, streaming or something like that, it comes in because we hit the button, told it it could, could come in. But listen, we had a subscription to Netflix, and when they took that show on there about them little bitty baby girls uh, cheerleading or dancing or whatever it was, we didn't see it. All we'd done was heard about it. But when we heard they was exploiting little girls on Netflix, we canceled it. They can't have any more of our money. They can't have it. There's some shows on there I'd like to see. I'd like to keep up with them. But I ain't going to do it in exchange for promoting that junk. That what, what, I don't know what, it, I don't remember what it cost every month. It only cost, I don't know, a few dollars a month. But they're not getting my Christian few dollars a month Amen. in order to promote that junk just so I can watch Star Trek or something like that. They just ain't going to get, I can Amen. do without, I can do without. Amen. Do without, amen. Oh, I might miss my show. Well, what might happen to some little girl in your neighborhood because some pervert down the street uh, people watch that stuff, they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves, Brother Curtis. People that can't help themselves, they need help. Amen. If you can't help yourself keeping your hands off of somebody, I can help you. I can help you keep your hands Amen. 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 Okay. You all right now? Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Let me, let me preach this message to you. It's only got about 15 points. <clears throat> A meal has to be worked for. You know what the Bible says about that? It says if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. Amen. A meal has to be worked for. You know you can't get up and preach a message without working for it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not a workman. What kind of? It's a chef. Amen. It's a builder. Paul said he was a master builder. If you're going to feed somebody, you better be a chef or something, amen. Not a French chef. <laughs> amen. We went to this restaurant up there in, in the Northland, and we said, hey, I want some, uh, some, a piece of fish or something. It was a seafood place. And I said, oh, take this piece of fish and a couple, you know, this shrimp that comes with it, I'll take that. And they brought it out here, and they had two little shrimp propped up a bit, about against like an ounce of fish, and there was like 10 or 12 pounds of stuff. It looked like a salad to me. Uh, it was probably parsley or some stupid junk like that, seaweed or something like that, piled all around it. And he brought it down there and said it to about this much food and about this much junk, and I looked at that and I said, what's going on, what? What is this? He said, the guy that made that's a world famous French chef. I was like, I need that junk. Yeah. Oh, when, when I go to eat, I'm not going to eat for pretty. I'm going to eat for full. Like I'm, a, I'm a real skinny man with a real big belly. I like to put stuff in it. I don't like to look at it. I can eat it blindfolded. I can take an M16 apart and put it back together blindfolded. I can do that with the meal too. Bring me no dressed up junk like that. Well, you know that stuff, a little 
you can go you can go to any old dump somewhere and buy a piece of fish this big around and a hundred shrimp with it for seven dollars and ninety nine cents. And you go buy an ounce of fish at that stupid little restaurant, it costs you nine hundred and fifty dollars and you gotta sign away a couple of your kids to get that junk. And pe people will pay for that junk. People will pay for that junk. Just like people will pay to have some preacher lie to them, put him in a $500,000 mansion and got two brand new Cadillacs, which praise the Lord, maybe he'll die and I'll get one of them. Uh, but I, listen, all, all I'm trying to say is people pay for the fancy stuff and turn up their nose at something. Listen, you know what it took to go get out that big old piece of fish and them, them you know, fried shrimp and all that. Somebody out there all day laboring, getting that stuff in. Yes, sir. And then bring it home and say, hey, old lady, clean this. Uh, uh, ain't that what happens most of the time? Hey, man, I don't call my wife old lady. Don't, don't, get, don't, get, nothing, don't get that twisted in your mind. But that's what happens. Hey, man, then after she, after she spends nine hours cleaning 15 or 20 fish and you know, deveining them shrimp and stuff like that. Hey, pull the guts out of it before I, I like. I don't like the guts part, but 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 at any, at any rate, you know, after you know she does all that work and does all the frying and stuff, he calls us. But hey, come over here. I've been working all day on this. <laughs> Invites all of his buddies over and messes up the house, and then she's got to work till one o'clock in the morning cleaning all the mess up. <laughs> Uh, a lot of work was done for that meal, but, uh, you know, but hey, man, we don't appreciate that, do we? A meal has to be worked for. Amen. Amen. Or it has to be, you can, like, uh, you know, I've, I've said this here, I've said it here many times, you know, I don't do much deer hunting. I, I like it. Uh, I especially like it up there in Delaware. Boy, them, Brother Curtis, them farmers up there, they, the deer eating all their crops, their beans and stuff like that. I'm like, shoot them, man, shoot them. And they're like, well, if I get close enough to them, they run away. I was like, well, don't get close to them, man. And they said, well, look, we, the state of Delaware makes us hunt with these shotguns. I said, well, man, hold on a minute. I went and got my 308 and set it out there on the back of his truck. I said, what time did they show up? Uh, it, hey, we sat out there and waited. Here in just a minute, this big herd, like a herd of buffalo in days gone by, of deer come out and start eating the man's, the man's, uh, you know, beans. And by that time, by the time they come out, we had actually just went out and walked it off and found out the yardage and stuff, 525 yards away. And I slid one in there and put her down, dropped one. And the, the rest of the deer looked around like, we're in the name of the Lord. Did that bullet come from? They couldn't run because they didn't know where it come from. And I sat there and shot them all night. Pow, pow, pow. The neighbor come over. What in the world's going on? Hey, a 168 grain boat tail, hollow point. When it's traveling through the air. Now, if you only shoot it 100 yards, it might not be nothing. When you shoot one of them suckers 500 yards, it goes. And when it hit the deer, <laughs> and they just said, <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Amen. I, I like to do it. 
But man, Food Lion's got grade A number one beef down there. <laughs> I, I do, I ambush all my meals at Food Lion. I just, you know, that's the way I do it. I like to do it. But so, I work, work for your meals or buy them. Amen. You got to do one of them. You got to work to buy, right? So I, I don't feel like I'm doing nothing wrong. <laughs> Amen. Listen, if you're going to get a message for your congregation, if you're going to get a message for your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to get in the Bible. You're going to have to plow a little bit in prayer. You're going to have to work for it. It's going to take some work. Listen, you don't just get saved and just uh, innately, magically wake up the next morning knowing everything there is to know about God. But I know this. I bet every person that's ever been really born again by the grace of God Within a few days, Brother Curtis woke up and said, Boy, my, my Uncle Jack is, uh, boy, he needs what I just found here. How, how can I talk to him? What can I say? That fella down at the workplace, we used to cuss and, you know, carouse and tell dirty jokes and stuff. Boy, that seems to me like he probably needs a little bit. Of, what can I tell him? How am I going to say this? What you need to do is you've got to get in the Bible and start digging. And get on your knees and start praying. Listen, you're not going to just walk up to them and magically make them be born again. It can't be done that way. And whether you, you might be one smooth talker, but listen, you don't smooth talk the power of the gospel. You've got to dig in it and talk. Listen, memorize it and memorize the scripture. And you've got to get on your face and pray and say, Oh, God, you, listen, in order to be an effective server of the gospel meal, listen, you have to have a burden about it. Did, did you know you can't make a good meal on accident? You just can't do it. I mean, th them meals, them meals that you can just throw in the microwave and let it cook for a minute. Chicken, we were talking about chicken pot pies. I like them things, but man, they take 45 minutes. All you're doing is heating it up. 45 minutes it takes to make them things. And then after that, they ain't all that good. Nobody put no love into that. Nobody put no care into that. Nobody put no concern into that. There's nobody down at Betty Crocker going, God bless this chicken pie pie. Nobody doing that. Huh? But you take your, your wife or maybe the husband's the cook of the family. I don't know. I Ruth says, I'm the good cook. I say she's the good cook. I guess we like one of those cooking. But you cook something for your wife. Say, Boy, she's going to really like this. And, well, take some labor. Amen. You'd be surprised. Listen, you'd be surprised what a little care and concern would do. Amen. Do you know you're going to hell? Ain't nothing, on, ain't nothing to that. Amen. A meal has to be worked. Amen. Plow the field. Right? Amen. Let me say this. Lord help me. This summer is getting longer and longer. The person doing the preparing has to be clean. Amen. Like work out in the field all day and come in. Cook, uh, take a shower for you before you start making a meal, especially if you work for a number one septic company. <laughs> hey, man, I, I'm sure your mama's, you know, made you wash your hands before you come to the table. Didn't she? 
Well, I'm sure she washed her hands before she. Hey, man, if you, if you making my biscuits, I hope you washed your hands. Hey, man, uh, I had a hard time getting Tori to eat something from McDonald's, you know. But hey, we've been to that McDonald's before down there. Well, I've had the fried roach from the local McDonald's down there. Hey, man, if, it, if they didn't want that, hey, honest to goodness. A Big Mac and a large fry, the thing come out, dump the fries out, and there's a little fried roast. I mean, it's, it looks like somebody breaded it. You have to do that on purpose. Uh, it, if it's breaded, it's not an accident. Amen? So somebody did that on purpose. Well, they didn't get much of my business after that. Huh? Wash the counter once in a while, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Wash your hands. Huh? picking boogers and scratching your armpit and everything else. You want me to make you a sandwich? No. No, no, I don't. I sure don't. You know what? 1 John 1, 9, let's, let, me read, let me read you some scripture. I don't want to just do a bunch of talking. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what it takes. The Holy, the Holy Ghost don't work with no junk. And listen, I'm a man. You're a man. Unless you're a woman, then you're a woman. But we're people. We're flesh and blood. We got, listen, we got dirty minds. We got dirty thoughts. We, we live in this flesh. We live in a dirty world. Stuff rubs off on us. And sometimes somebody cuts across in front of us in traffic and we say bad things to them. And sometimes some of y'all make might make obscene gestures to him. Hey, I had people come to me from church and said, you know, I, that guy cut me off. I shot him the bird and cussed him. What do you think about Well, go pray, man. Go say, God, forgive me about that stuff. There's not one person in this room that ain't a human being. I don't think you ought to cuss. I don't think you ought to make obscene gestures. I don't think you ought to watch naked people on TV. I don't think you ought to do none of that stuff, but you do it. You do it. I don't think you ought to listen to Bo Cephas on the way to work and on the way back, but some of you do it. Some of you do it. I don't think you ought to listen to George Jones and, and, and you know, Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> just in case there's the, uh, the odd strange duck in here. I don't think you ought to listen to that stuff, but some of you do it. Some of you do it. And so, listen, at the same time, you say, boy, I wish my cousin would get saved. Well, listen, before you go talk to him, get down on your face and say, God, forgive me of my sins. God help me. God help me to go over there and get something done and clean up before you make the meal. The, the Bible tells us we're sanctified by the Lord Jesus Christ. We got that when we got saved. That sanctification means you're clean, but you need a daily cleansing, and that's what it's talking about right here. Verse number 10, if we, that's us, that's church members, that's people who the who the lost or liberal preacher says you never have to talk to them about sin. But the Bible says here, it says, if we say that we have no sin. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we agree with God. God help me and cleanse me up. It's the very same as going over to your faucet and squirting out a little soap on your hands and washing your hands and maybe just go take a shower before you make a meal. I don't know how far you want to go with it, but be some level of clean. 
be some level of clean. And then the place the meal is prepared needs to be a little bit clean too. Amen. I gave you the McDonald's illustration just a little bit early. But 1 Timothy chapter number 3. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. You say, well, Brother Mike, they call you a legalist and stuff. Well, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I, I'm not a, listen, a legalist means you got to do something to get saved. That's what a legalist is. I don't believe you got to do nothing to get saved except for believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you call on him, he'll save you. That's what I believe about salvation. But we want the Holy Spirit to work. We want him to, we want him to lead us and direct us. He's just not going to get involved with that while you unclean. Amen. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, I've heard many, so many people say, I've heard so many people say, this is just a building. We're the church. And listen, if you're saved, God put you into the body of Christ, and you are the congregation of God. You are the church of God. But this right here is a, is a real sure enough place that he's talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, When the whole church be gathered together in one place. And when the church, when the whole church is gathered together in one place, that's the house of God. He's talking about administration here. He's not talking about flesh and blood or the body of Christ or anything like that. And the Bible says you ought to know how to behave yourself. Mama ever tell you that? Behave yourself. You kids behave yourself. You know what that means, don't you? It means behave yourself. That's what it means. That's what it means. That's what it means. He said, if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar, the pillar. You know what a pillar does? It holds the building up. Yeah. Amen. A, a pillar bears the weight. Yeah. Amen. That place ought to be clean. The place where the meal prepared. Listen, the, the, the thing, the thing, listen, listen to me now. The thing that's going to get your cousin born again, the thing that's going to get that boy down at work born again, the thing that's going to deliver that woman, you know, that's addicted to meth out of the mess that she's in, is going to start right in here. It's going to start right in here. You say, well, I'm going to go home and study. That's good. Go home and study your Bible. But I guarantee you, listen, I've been in church since 1975, and I know that every good thing that God has ever done in my life started right from behind the pulpit. A preacher preached it. I said, boy, let me check that out. Let me see that verse right there. And got to reading it and got to studying it and got to thinking about it and got to praying about it. And God let something be born in my soul. And listen, everybody I've ever won to Christ, every sermon I've ever preached, every good prayer I've ever prayed, if I've ever prayed one, come right directly from what I got down at the house of God. It had to be a clean place. It had to be a clean place. Amen. It had to be a clean place. Amen. Ephesians 4.1, let me read you that because this, this thing we just read in 1 Timothy 3 was, was about, the, uh, about the house of God. But let's look at, uh, let's look at Ephesians 4.1. And this is a little bit of a mixture of the place and the person. But Ephesians 4.1 says this. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy. How many Baptist preachers have you heard, oh, we're not worthy? 
Well, that's true when you're talking about salvation. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We can't save ourselves with our own work. Once you get saved, God said, you don't start walking worthy now. I just read it right there. Look right there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye, that's you, but that's all of you. Ye is plural. <laughs> that's your English class for today. Amen. All of you. Well, my preacher lives a pretty good life. You get it. No, that ain't what it said. That ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you call. Worthy walk. Are you ever going to witness to somebody? Do it worthily. You ever going to witness to somebody? Well, if you are, make sure you're worthy to do it. Oh, well, God's the only one worthy. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said you need to be worthy. Amen. Now let's move on. Amen. A meal has to be thoroughly cooked. If you're going to give somebody a meal, cook it all the way through. Oh, I don't want a good-looking biscuit on the outside and, you know, bite it and think it's a Krispy Kreme donut or something like that. Huh? I didn't order no Boston cream donut. Huh? That's a good donut, though. <laughs> Ain't that a good donut? Boy, that good. Uh, but when I'm eating a biscuit, I don't want nothing squirting out the middle of it. I want it to be, I want it to be biscuit all the way through. Hey, up there in that mountain where I'm from, boy, they made this stuff called pawn bread. Makes me wick in the knees thinking about it, man. It's not cornbread. It's bread. But they make it right there. It's fresh made bread in a black iron skillet. About passed out again. Boy, it's good. It's good. Unless you don't know how to make it. Uh, do y'all know my wife? Have y'all met Ruth? God bless her heart. Like she's the greatest woman to ever be born into the female persuasion. Like she's wonderful. But that woman can't drive. And she can't make no biscuits. <laughs> she can't drive and she can't make no biscuits, boy. Uh, look, when Ruth makes biscuits, they come out some kind of shade of gray. And they're not supposed to be gray. She's going to love this because she's going to be listening to it as soon as she gets on. Uh, love you, darling. But you can't make no biscuits. And I've told her that to her face. But anyway... It's the color of a battleship, gray. And it tastes like that stuff they give you for communion. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, a meal has to be thoroughly cooked, amen? Amen. Has to be thoroughly cooked. Bake the bread all the way through. Look back in Acts chapter 20. That's where we started at. Acts chapter number 20. Lord, I'm trying to hurry. I'm about to have told thee. Look, to me, an hour and ten minutes is a short message. So I'm really keeping my word. I had not been preaching that long. But let's look at Acts 20 real fast. I'm almost done. Acts chapter 20. I can't even find Acts chapter 20 real fast. Acts chapter 20. And then look down in verse number 31. He says, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day 
with tears, night and day, night and day. Romans chapter 1 verse 11 says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Listen, you can't just come up to somebody and hint, you know you need to be saved. Well, what I need to be saved for? Well, I ain't figured that out yet. But I'll, I'm going to go home and figure that out, and I'm going to come back and tell you. You say, what's going on? Well, you started preparing. You know the need, but you don't know the solution. And that's just like cooking the meal halfway. Get somebody interested. And listen, let me tell you this as well. You know what you need to do? You need to start praying before you leave your house and say, God, help me to run into somebody today that really is hungry. That If you're going to make a meal, it's best to make it for hungry people. Uh, like I like the meals where people sit down and eat it and there ain't nothing left. Yeah. Amen. You know it was a good meal then. Look, like if you make some dish and you got three quarters of it left over, it wasn't good. <laughs> Amen. That's just the fact of the matter. But anyway, you pray and say, God, help me to run into somebody that's hungry today. If you're hungry, bad food's pretty good. I make a lot of jokes about food, man, but I tell you what, the best meal I ever had was a can of pinto beans when I didn't have nothing else. Open the cabinet door, just a stupid little old 25-year-old kid that didn't have no responsibility and no wife and no kids and not much of a job, can't hardly make it from week to week and look up in the cabinet and there's a can of pinto beans up there. I will tell you what, that's the best can of pinto beans that there's ever been eat. Just open it up, dump it in a little pan, heat it up, and pour some salt on it and eat it. No cornbread. Well, cornbread would have been good. But I didn't have no cornbread. But when I was hungry, boy, that one little can of pinto beans. Hey, when I went to Bible school, I only stayed six months because they didn't like me much. Got in an argument with the, you wouldn't believe I got in an argument with the, with the one teaching the class, but I did. That's what he did. Oh, you know why I did that? Because he was stupid. Uh, I'd probably been in church as longer than he had been saved. He teaching the class what he said was stupid. I said, so. But anyway, while I was there, boy, it was I couldn't find a job down there. I finally did get a job working at the, the night shift in a store down there, and I was broke. I was broke. I went and bought a bag of, of potatoes, and I had baked potatoes every day. And I would go down to the, to the surrounding, like they had Burger Kings and stuff like that all around, and I managed to get me some Old Bay seasoning and some black pepper, and then was the best baked potatoes. You say, why? Because I was hungry, boy. Before you leave the house every day, before you come preaching this pulpit, oh, God, let me run into somebody today that's hungry. Amen. And then you come up and try to hand somebody a train. That's bottom like that. Boy, you just keep looking because you ask God to do it for you. Before long, you'll run into somebody and say, boy, I, I was just thinking about that today. Then you sit down. And you talk, and don't give them no half-baked meal. Hey, listen, listen to me now. 
Don't sit down and start talking to somebody about Jesus and end up talking to them about angels cohabitating with women in Genesis chapter 6. Huh? Leave that stuff for free time if you got any. But sit down and give them a full course, well-cooked, well-thought-out, well-digested message. Get up here and talk like you ain't got no sense and don't give nobody nothing. Cook it all the way through. Cook it. Prepare it. Care about it. Paul said, well, I long for you to see me because, boy, I got a message for you. That ain't what he said. He said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, some well-cooked meal. Something I spent a long time thinking about. I spent a long time memorizing this scripture. I spent a long time getting this straight in my mind so I can tell you how to be saved, so I can tell you how to live a Christian life, so I can feed the sheep of God. That's what you got to do. Got to cook it all the way through. And then let me say this, and I'm going to quit. The meal has to be blessed. You know, the Bible tells you you can eat whatever you want if you give thanks for it. Oh, praise God. I blessed many a catfish. Them Jews couldn't do that. Amen. They couldn't do it. Bless some shrimp. Oh, God bless this shrimp. Uh, thank you, God, for this shrimp. Amen. You would think after eating all them nasty old bay baked potatoes, I wouldn't like them, but I still like them. Mm-hmm, I like them. I blessed the ones I was eating down there in Bible school. I blessed the one I had last week, too. I mean, you got to bless your food. The Bible says that those things are sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Amen. You pull yourself up to a table, bow your head. Oh, God, thank you for this food. Thank you. You know you can do that at, you know you can do that at Hardy's, don't you? you? One of the biggest blessings, I mean, I've been to camp meetings and heard great preachers, and I've heard some of the best preachers you ever heard in your life. But some of the best blessings I've ever had in a Christian life is to sit down in the restaurant and look around and see a family over there going. It almost makes me want to get up and tiptoe over there and listen in. What are you doing? Well, I was just making sure y'all wasn't plotting against nobody. Making, I thought y'all was plan, I thought y'all was praying, but I wanted to make sure y'all wasn't making no plans over here. No, I'm serious as I can be. Boy, that's a blessing over there to see folks in this day and time. I think Christians ought to start having pride parades. Amen. They don't mind doing that stuff out in public. Huh? You know, the Bible says only by pride cometh contention. Pride causes arguments. Amen. Only by pride cometh contention. You can't get in an argument if you ain't proud about something. You know what Jude said? Earnestly contend. Same word. Only, only by pride cometh contention. Earnestly contend for the faith. You ain't proud of Jesus. Pride's a sin, not being proud about Jesus. Pride's a sin, not being proud of the book you got in your lap. Because Jude told you, earnestly contend, earnestly have some contention about the faith. I'd say Christians be do, do pretty good. I don't know where that comes. That comes down from the heavens right there. That ain't on the paper nowhere. That's good. Meal has to be blessed. First, I want to read you the scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 4. 
For every creature of God is good. Look at your plate and say, you're a good little creature. Amen? Steak. That's good. That's all right for a Jew to eat, too. Catfish. Amen. Bacon. That's good. Amen. He said every creature is good. That's what he says. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. A meal has to be blessed. The thankfulness of the giver, the thankfulness of the preparer, amen, and the thankfulness of the receiver. Some of you might not be having a good time tonight because you didn't come in here tonight and say, Lord, thank you for what I'm about to receive. Didn't we say that preaching was like serving up a meal? Well, you know what a preacher needs to do? He needs, God, thank you for letting me preach. God, thank you for the privilege. The Bible calls it a high calling. And I think, I think it's just as big a calling. I think it's just as high a calling for a young man to step out on the street corner somewhere and say, can I give you a gospel track, sir? Amen. But don't ever, hey, don't ever give nobody a gospel track without bowing your head and say, God, use this. And God, bless this. And God, please put your power behind this and then go to giving it. Amen. That's why we pray most of the time before we preach a message. God, help me now and bless what's about to be said. Well, you bless a meal, don't you? You bless a meal when you give it. Hey, some of you, next time you're preparing a meal, say, God, thank you for this. You don't have to wait till you serve it to thank, be thankful for it. God, bless this meal. Amen. 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 And, and if you, you get creative with that, amen. <laughs> Your husband been fussing at you for the last week. Say, God, if he ain't preaching to this, choke him with it. <laughs> amen. 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 Listen, you bow your head and say, bless it, whether you're giving it or receiving it. Amen. And God will bless it. Hey, listen, you make the best. You can get this. I, I wish you could read this, you know, Egyptian hieroglyphics up here. Listen, you make the best outlines you can, you can think of and follow the, you know, the, the biggest, fanciest preachers and copy his messages. You can do all that stuff you want to. But if God don't bless your message, if God don't bless your meal, it ain't going to do much. It ain't going to do much. Now, listen. Paul said, if, Paul said if somebody was spiteful and contentious and preached, he said, thank God that the gospel is being preached. The gospel has a power of its own. But how much more is it going to be powerful when the person that's going to give it says, God, bless this and use this. And when the person that's going to receive it, if they're saved already, says, God, help me. Hey, i tell you what you do next time you go witness to somebody you know they're lost. Say, hey, man, I want to talk to you a little bit, okay, about the Lord, man. Let me talk to you, okay? And they say, well, I guess so. Say, Let's pray first. And make them bow their head. Hey, let them get used to it. And say, God, God, this is very important, what I'm about to say to this man. I mean, right there in front of him. Pray out loud. God, what I'm about to say to, these folk, to this fellow here, very important. God, help me say it right. Anything I say wrong, help him to hear it right anyway. That's what they did in the book of Acts. 
Paul, hey, Peter and them disciples, they was unlearned. They didn't know no languages. They just got up there and preached, and everybody heard it just like it was supposed to be heard. Uh, about half of that junky message I preached last night, if you thought it was any good, it was only because God fixed it up. I went home going, Lord, that's the worst message I ever tried to preach. God help and bless. Well, that's the way it has to be sometimes. sometimes listen, but I tell you this, they'll all be duds if you don't get God to bless it. You've got to get God's power on it, whether it's witnessing to the lost or whether it's preaching to a congregation. Uh, a meal has to be blessed, has to be blessed. Amen, amen. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable in all things. It'll profit your message. It'll profit your witness. It surely will. It surely will. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. I pray, oh God, you'd help, God. This message might seem simple, and to some it might seem silly, but God, we, we need uh, to be in a place, God, in this desperate country that we live in where the power of God is on the lips of your people, God, your preachers, your gospel witnesses, your deacons, God, your Christians, the people you bought and paid for with your own blood, God. The, need, we need great power. We need well-digested messages. We need messages that we've thought long and hard about and prayed long and hard about and studied long and hard about. And there's no difference, oh God, when a man goes out into the highways and hedges. He needs to be able to tell folks something that he's very familiar with, God, and been prayed about and, and been searched over, dear God, and been, been prayed about all night long. God, help us, God, to have that kind of Christianity again. Lord, we're in a place where too much of our time is spent on recreation and too much time is spent on playing games. And God, I pray you'd help us to begin to spend an ordinate amount of time, God, preparing to serve you and to prepare things for you, oh God. We'll thank you and praise you for what you do. Help us tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.